Lock us in. Load us in. Pop in that A-track. Spin the tape. Here we go. Hey now, and welcome back to a brand new and special episode of Star Wars Time. And why is it so special? Well, that's because it's our year-end blowout blue light special. That's right, we're going to talk about 15 of the best moments from all of Star Wars from the year 2018. I know we're a little late. We're in 2019, but, you know, Nick and I, again, sometimes have to re-assimilate with humans and talk to family and take care of kids and parents and siblings and girlfriends and wives and this, that, and the other thing. But we're back! And we're almost dead! That's the other thing. Both of us got Ebola cancer. Yeah, we both got struck with illness <laughs> during our holidays. Me, I'm still dealing with it. And uh, obviously, we're both still kind of getting over it. My voice may sound a little different. Matt's over there coughing his lungs out. But you know what? We're still going. And, you know, what's a better way to start 2019 off than to take a look back at 2018 and say, what was really good about 2018? A little reminiscing. So we got a list here. Like Matt said, 15 items all put together by Matt himself, the orchestrator of StarWarsTime.net. And, you know, he's... He's got a really solid list here. And, I mean, not only does it give us what we, you know, experienced in 2018, but it also gives us things to look forward to in 2019. I love it. And then, obviously, at the end of the 15, we may add in a little bit, you know, honorable mentions, you could call them, or a little bit of yeah. personal flair. Totally. A bit, you know, something like that to, to give you guys a little bit more of an, in, you know, inside look into, into our lives a little bit. So... 15 of the best moments in Star Wars in 2018. Matt, why don't you bring it around for us? Right. So, I mean, obviously these moments, I wouldn't say uh, the ranking has any merit to the moment. Uh, they, they just, I just kind of rattled them off as they came to me. Uh, so the first one we have on the list, and you can follow along in a post on StarWarsTime.net. We'll obviously include it in the post body here. If you come to us through StarWarsTime.net, if not, if I remember, I may even throw it on the YouTube feed. You never know. Either way, StarWarsTime.net. So, number one, Nick. And honestly, if we were to rank them, I think this would be my number one. And that's the fact that Star Wars Episode Nine began principal photography in 2018. In particular, in August of 2018. Yeah. This is this is it, people. I mean, we've talked about it a few times on other podcasts, but this is the end, as far as we know, of the Skywalker saga. And it started production 2018, and we're gonna get our hands on it in 2019. Do you think this is do you do you think this is it? I don't know, man. I guess it depends on what is considered the Skywalker saga, right? Like I agree. I, I mean, I think they could they could get away with saying that it does end now, but still bring back characters from seven, eight, nine. I agree because I, I have to say I love this cast. I mean, this I do this, too. And, and and as 
divisive as Ryan's entry was, I do think his is the entry that allows them to separate. I mean, that's what his message was, essentially. Was. Yeah. Anyone can be a Skywalker level force user. Yeah. So let's let's go. It's a and, and like here's here's what I really enjoy about it is that obviously this whole trilogy is in some form or fashion and doesn't even have to be direct story mirroring, but there is a mirroring to the original trilogy and the roles that the characters of the new trilogy have fallen into are really starting to I guess you would say they're, they're starting to develop really well. And it kind of makes me sad that there's only one more movie slated with these characters. Like, I I oh, really want to I mean, see. I mean, I want 10, 11, 12. <laughs> yeah. Well, because here's the thing. In the original trilogy, we got a lot of time covered over that over those three movies. Like, you know, right. episode four was by itself. But by episode five, a little bit of time passed. Like, Luke had become a commander. He had already started... You know, learning oh, the dude, force you, on his own. You've, you've hit on a great point. Because yeah. as, as I think what you're leading to is in the new trilogy, we're talking maybe a year's time total. Yeah, I mean, you're between seven and eight, you, we're talking minutes. No, we're talking between <laughs> seven and nine because, I mean, as well, yeah. we have an, another episode of the show planned to talk about this, but we do have the timeline for nine mapped out now. And it's only a year away from eight. So yeah. we're still only talking from the beginning of TFA to, to nine a year. Yeah, exactly. And maybe like a, a, a couple days. And that's that's what <laughs> I'm like. That's why I want more of these characters, because between the three movies and the OT, we got to see everybody grow so much. Whereas True. in this so You're far. Exactly right. We really haven't got to see much character growth no. outside of just the events. So I think that there's there's an opportunity to continue stories with these characters and really show that growth like we got with Han, Luke, and Leia in the original trilogy in, in further movies with, you know, this cast of the other of sequels. Well, trilogy. if anything, my, my buddy's been pushing for either like an old school movie where there's an intermission for nine and you literally just have to get up and take a break because it's that long yeah or at least you know like lotr level stuff and we're you know three hours no dude i mean i completely agree i mean psycho i, I, mean, I think a lot of us would also take two movies released back to back i would i would take matrix style where two and three came out like a month apart or something like that or if they yeah, just released yeah, at like the same a few, time a few months for sure yeah I mean, I would take that, but then also, like, the crazy psycho Star Wars fan in me is like, give me a, a feature-length movie in the theaters that is the same length as Return of the King Special Edition, Extended Edition. Oh, I would take give that. Me I mean, five I, and a half I think, hours. I honestly think most people would take it, but it'll never happen. Yeah, I mean, I think Disney may give J.J. the green light for a three-hour-long screen time movie. I think they may I, say, I hope like, I hope it is the longest Star Wars movie, which just needs to be longer than TL, or, yeah, TLJ. TLJ, yeah, because that was the longest. I think it clocked in yeah, at Yeah, and before hours, that, I believe, was ROTS. Yeah, they're both, they're both in the two-hour, 40-minute area, but... Um, 
TLJ's two like two forty four. It's like four or five. No, it's two thirty two, man. Trust me. Oh, We've, oh yeah, it. you've been. I've watched it at least three times in the past two weeks because of the little ones. So yeah, you're you've been on. I the know binge. the time <laughs> dead on. It's two thirty two. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but that's that's what I want out of nine. I want. Oh, dude, nine's got to be two forty five uh, plus. Yeah. There's just so much ground to cover. There's so much ground to cover. And I want to see character growth. Like, we've seen some minuscule character growth just based off of the events they've been through. But you don't get to see, like, what we saw with Luke going from a farm boy to a Jedi knight. Like, you don't, like, you know, with Rey, we've seen her go from a scavenger to a force user. And that's about it. Like... No, think- you're you're dead on because again I've watched both of the you know seven and eight now multiple times within a very short time span because my kid is a literally a Star Wars crackhead at this point, and Honestly, that's just all she pretty- wants. Like wakes up, wakes up. We're talking eight o'clock. As soon as I get her dressed, Dad, you want to watch a movie? Uh, what do you want to watch? Star Wars. It's like, okay, which one? <laughs> which one today? How many are going to have to watch today? And, you know, I love Star Wars, but it's like, I mean, uh, on the weekends, we it's now become like the OT smack where a Saturday is literally the six-hour-plus worth of original trilogy content. You got to get her. Has she seen Solo yet? I feel like she would like Solo. Well, I've, I've, I, we have to trick her at this point. Really? <laughs> yeah. We have to be like, you want a new one? And look, hey, look, it's Solo. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, I hit play right away. But if I give her too long, she'll realize that Luke's not in it. And then she gets pissed. Yeah. you gotta I'm not just... telling you, dude. Like, again, I'll bring it up when we talk about our personal phase. But when we watched TFA, I mean, she was offended. <laughs> offended by the appearance of Grandmaster Luke. Well, that's something that we will get to at the end of the cast. But so yeah, moment number. So anyways, one. moving on. But yeah, I mean, come on, episode nine. It's been shot. It's on the reel. I, I still don't think we've gotten the announcement that it's a wrap. That's the crazy thing to me. No, yeah, I don't uh, think. But not have. surprising because again, it, it didn't even start till August, so they're not even really six months in the principal. Yeah, uh, but I, I'd imagine they're very close to being done. Uh, so, anyways, moving on. Number two, Billy D and Mister Mark Hamill confirmed for episode nine. So, I mean, Hamill might not have been that big of a surprise, but honestly, if you follow Mark on Twitter, I mean, he he leveled some shit out. Like, yo, basically, I'm done. I don't care. I'm out. Whatever. Yeah, he was very, very. So it was. Adamant. It was kind of surprising. Yeah, he was adamant that he was finished with Star Wars after Episode Eight. So, do you think that like that JJ Sweet talked him, or do you think he was just it was just the ruse? Like he knew he was coming back and he was just playing. Yeah, I think it's Mark being Mark. I mean, he's a pro. He's a pro. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, the big surprise here was Billy D. Williams coming back to reprise his role his role as as Lando Calrissian. Right. I mean, that is massive. But I think it's. I think it was done for a direct reason, and that is the death of Carrie Fisher. Yeah. I do not think I do not think Lando was intended for nine. 
No, I don't think so either. I think if you probably go back and look at the initial casting decisions, all of the contracts that were signed at the time of TFA's release. I mean, or we have a brand new script, man. I mean, it, it's yeah. a brand new, like Trevorrow and his boy. Th- that shit was blown up. Yeah, that I mean, it's over. Essentially, his script heavily relied on both Luke and Leia being alive, so. That de- Which that had is to get still mind-boggling up. to me that they even allowed that to happen. Yeah, I mean that was again. <laughs> when does someone in charge step in and go, "Hey, um, hey, uh, um, um, Miss Trevorrow, by the way, that guy already wrote a movie and shit happens, and you just need to deal with it." Guy. Yeah. I just feel like that was the moment where we realized that the Star Wars story group doesn't do anything. Useless. Yeah, they don't they don't do anything. Like what the fuck are they doing? I mean, how does that happen? They just kind of How sit do you around have creative differences over with, a fucking trilogy? Yeah, within your own within right. your own franchise. Like you know every it was already out there who all the it directors were. It would have been like were. George fighting with George. Yeah. He would have like Episode four, George was talking to episode six, George, and episode like, yeah, six, no, George, George was pissed because I mean, even George himself proved during the original years that he was he could hand over creative vision to other people. Yeah, I mean, he let uh, Larry Kasdan direct episode six and Irving Kirshner direct episode five. I mean, obviously, he was still kind of the puppet master to the whole thing. I mean, he wrote still. the story, but I mean, they massaged the script and obviously directed the, the scenes. Yeah, so, I don't know. It was very odd, that whole moment, but getting yeah, back to getting back to Billy. Anyways, I mean, it's excellent. I mean, we're, we're going to have both Lando and Luke in Episode Nine. I mean, that is a win-win. I do think the Lando thing is a sort of a Band-Aid, but honestly a welcome Band-Aid. I, I'll take it. I, I, I completely see where it's coming from. I can see how it'll fit in, and I can see how it'll be awesome. And honestly, I saw this dude at the... Um, it was something for African American Hollywood Awards. He won a big award. Oh yeah, a lifetime, lifetime achievement. achievement. Award. Yep. Uh, we put it up on the site, or I did. I mean, Harrison did a thank you, but Billy looked damn good. And and seeing that footage, I know we kind of made fun of him a little bit, but seeing that footage was encouraging. And I honestly think he's gonna he's gonna be a standout in episode nine. Yeah, I mean. He has the opportunity to really bring back the character that everybody loved from the original trilogy and it breathed new life to him. Like what what has he been doing? What has Lando been doing since the end of episode six? I mean, it seems like he's not involved with the New Republic or the Resistance in any way. So he's got to be doing something else. And I'm really excited to see the character decisions that are made with him. I'm excited to see Billy D him back himself i mean we saw that video of him working out we kind of riffed on it a little bit in one of our last casts i mean it it's really cool to see disney and lucasfilm taking like you said you know taking a tragedy that happened with carrie fisher and then finding a way to to bandage it and that way is with another original trilogy cast member um, I think it was a really good move, and I'm I'm super excited about what he's going to be able to bring to this movie. So, yeah, solid solid number two. I agree. Number three doesn't get much. I mean, honestly, this whole list is pretty excellent. But number three, the Clone Wars Returns reveal. 
that was pretty huge. It went down. I forget when it went down. I think it was what? Was it over the spring or the summer? I think it was over the summer, but I could yeah, be wrong. Who cares? Either way, we were let known, all fans of the Star Wars were let known that Star Wars The Clone Wars, the animated series, is coming back. And it's going to be part of the Disney Plus streaming service, which again is just another reason why you're going to be forced to buy it. Pun intended. Yeah. Force your face. 2019 is now here and that means that the streaming service is coming it means that clone wars is coming and this clone wars thing is literally almost exactly what all of the fans have been asking for since the disney acquisition like disney bought star wars they killed clone wars we got an excellent show in rebels but then everybody has always wanted a proper ending to clone wars and now we're getting it and i mean this couldn't be more of a fan service move. I, I know it's not the reason that they did it. I know that this show is very near and dear to Dave Filoni's heart, and I'm sure that he made yeah, his Yeah, he's, he's a power player at this point. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he's not only working on animated stuff now, he's al- also directing episodes of The Mandalorian, which, I mean, was announced a while ago. But he definitely threw his weight around, I feel, in, in the Lucasfilm offices to say, like, hey, you guys need to give me the opportunity to close this show the way that it needs to be closed. And we're getting it now. And there's a lot of fantastic stuff that we're going to find out here. I mean, there's an entire arc that's left with Ahsoka before she turns into Fulcrum in the Rebels series. There's everything that's going to go down between Anakin and the Jedi Order. I mean, there is still a lot of ground to cover here. And I just I couldn't be more excited for for the show to be back yeah dude i mean it's i mean outside of getting the mando and the cassian this to me is a disney plus seller so i'm i'm all about it can't wait to see how things go down i think it's gonna again properly showcase anakin's decline uh, after rewatching Revenge of the Sith recently, I've confirmed that it could be the worst prequel at this point. May even be worse than Attack of the Clones. And this is backed up by a non-Star Wars fan, a non-anyone doesn't give a fuck about any of this bullshit we worry about and we stress about and we get angry about and we yell at each other about. It confirmed to me this week after seeing it again that it could be one of the worst movies ever made. Uh, and I, I tend to agree. But, again, that's uh, another time, another place. We have cast planned for that shit. But Clone Wars, let's go. Let's pump up Anakin. Give him, you know, send him down that path. Make him dark. Make him angry. But also justifiably. Show why. Show how much the council upset him by fucking him over and not trusting him. Don't just snap a finger and make him darth fucking vader all right so number four my friend again you kind of alluded to it earlier and really the next two are going to be references from star wars rebels one of the greatest animated star wars shows out there all you people have to watch it the finale was fantastic i mean we're talking (laughs) some of the best star wars moments i've ever seen in, in in any format and by best i'm talking emotional like gut punches legitimate gut punches legitimate character arcs that end the way they should end 
Uh, it was just a beautiful, epic final season. Yeah, I mean, this is what's so impressive about this show is is I don't know if it was planned the way that Clone Wars was planned because of the Disney acquisition, but again, Dave Filoni and all the writers put together a show with characters that nobody had ever heard of before. I mean, the good thing about Clone Wars was that you had recognizable characters all around it. And yes. you go into Rebels and you don't know anybody. You don't know anybody in the main cast. They're all brand new characters, but you fall in love with them so quickly. And like you said, the the finale itself, well, the, the final season was so good. And there were so many moments, like you said, with Kanan. I mean, with his, you know, the wrap up of his, of his arc. I'm not going to try to not give any spoilers because I know there's people out there who still haven't seen oh, it. Oh, I mean, that that's, yeah, that's the moment I was alluding to. I mean, yeah, exactly. Is, to me, one of the most emotional Star Wars character moments of all time. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you have the, the situation with Ezra. And, you know, in the show itself, you bring in one of the most famous old eu characters of all and that's grand admiral thrawn so you bring him back into star wars lore to proper canon and not only do you do that you do it so well and you bring him all the way through until season four and i mean it was just all around it was a fantastic fantastic season and i yeah i mean i don't think that they could have executed that final season anymore. I mean, in your description, you, you you know, you say that it was kind of a shame that it only got four full seasons, but it was the, the four seasons that we got were like you said, some of the best star Wars TV that we've ever seen. So no, it was great. And, and it, it just kind of bleeds in the moment number five. And again, it, it comes to us courtesy of star Wars rebels and, but it is a major moment in star Wars canon. And that is Darth Maul's, I guess, spoiler, 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 Darth Maul's actual death. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Darth Maul did not actually die in Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace. He survived that horrible fall down the whatever shaft he fell down, and he lived. He made it through, and we actually got to see him in Star Wars: The Clone Wars. And then we well, see like a him good come Sith, he again. he lived on his hate. Yeah, he he literally and pain subsisted. and suffering. I mean that that's what he lived off of. Yeah, I mean after being cut in half, like the guy just just gutted it out and fucking lived for years on just his hate alone. And I mean, it's a character that I think again was done way more justice in the in the cartoon series than in the movies. Of course. Obviously, you know, Maul wasn't supposed to be a primary character in the movies, but the way that he was brought to life in the cartoon series by Sam Witwer, I mean it was fantastic. It was it was a fantastic. Do you job. just as as a quick question tangent. Yeah. Do you think that the fact that Darth Maul, or, I mean, I'm sorry, that Obi-Wan Kenobi essentially had two of the greatest Siths of all time derive their power due to their hate for him, does that not make Obi-Wan one of the greatest Jedi of all time? Dude, I think that is almost unquestionable at this point, You know point, what I'm right? saying? Like, both Darth Maul and Darth Vader essentially fed off of their hate for Obi-Wan. Yeah, 
I mean, here's and that's the... what motivated them to to get past their 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 physical, you know, deformities, uh, the, their pain. It was literally their hate for their failings to Obi Wan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things that can be argued a whole, you know, over and over again. I guess you could say, but I think that Obi Wan has overcome so much adversity in his time as a jedi and not only i mean he's he's got to be on the mount rushmore jedis yeah i mean i don't think that you can put anybody else up there i mean you figure you have you know grandmaster yoda yo uh obi and then the fourth one would be i mean i don't even who would be your fourth mace go up there just because just because i don't know man i mean i feel like lightsaber he, he was. He, he had a purple lightsaber. It was super dope. But that's the thing is, like, we always talk about I the mean, lack of throw up characters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think you throw Anakin up there just off of principle. That's my point. You can't if you just w- watch the movies. Yeah. And you're exactly right. That's the point of all my hatred for the prequels. Yeah. But if you watch the Clone Wars and hopefully the new Clone Wars... I think you could make an argument that Anakin deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore of Jedi's. Yeah, because Just there's like really... Obi Wan pumps him up in A New Hope, and he was technically lying. Yeah, yeah. From a certain point of view. <laughs> I like how George used that one phrase to just really fuck up the whole prequels, but um, I I do I I. He actually, think, dude, he actually used it in the original trilogy to oh, justify yeah, I, bullshit from the A New Hope because he didn't think he was making three movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, so he's yeah. always been shifty. I just, I'm trying to sit here and think of a fourth Jedi, but there's really nobody left. I mean, could Rey be up there eventually? It's possible. Totally. Of course. Um, of course. You know, because really, if you think about the, the pantheon no, of Jedi be. characters. She, she should be up there right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean she's... think about what she's accomplished again, as we talked about earlier. We're talking a year and a half, not even, dude, because I do believe TFA was like a bing bang boom. Yeah, TFA and TLJ I think was, are like. We show up on Jakku, we team up with the heroes, they fucking jet off, run into Solo, they jet off, run into Maz, war, run into Leia, war, game over, boom, TLJ starts. Yeah, I, I think at most TFA covers like maybe a week of time. And exactly. Then, and then TLJ, we know that TLJ happens in literally a day. Hours. Like, yeah, it's not even a day, like not even a full day. It's exactly. just like a, a span of hours. And then and then that's it. Like, like, like we said, we're going to be talking about it in the next episode. But, I mean, we now know that episode nine is only a year later. Yeah, so... There's very little time for her to grow, but it's going to be really interesting to see how they develop her character. And but like who I she said, I mean, become. and I've seen it a thousand times now, but the, the moment in TFA when, she, when they're in the forest and you think Kylo's going for it, it starts playing the family music, and lo and behold, homegirl, who has only just realized she has this ability, snatches the, the Skywalker family blade, lights it up, gets the Luke theme, it's like, boom, then she kicks his ass. Yeah, that's... Like, that's literally like, kicks the shit out of him. That was a tear, like, my eyes watered up. My I, I still get 
spine that moment is beautiful. And I also like when he's got her on the edge and he says the force and it sinks into her and she's like, the force. Yeah. And that then that's when she really channels the shit and she probably taps into the dark side a bit because she starts railing on him and that's when she beats the piss out of him. Yeah, and I mean, I think in the novelization of the movie, they even say that she kind of, oh she yeah, does like Snoke tap was into whispering that. to her. Yeah, like she was feeling that that pull as she was standing over him. But, but point being, I mean, she does that immediately, and then in the follow up, she can already handle having force to force communications with this supreme master. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, she's Kylo's she's no joke. We get, everyone's got to remember that. I mean, this dude's been training since he was a kid. Ray's only a, a, up until TLJ been doing it for a week. Yeah, yeah. She's only known about the Force for like <laughs> yeah. a week. So, so she can handle going toe to toe with him in Force World and almost like convinces him to be good. Yeah, and then goes and fights with him and convinces him to turn, and then still I- has enough power to essentially knock him out take the remnants of skywalker family blade and peace yeah i'm really interested and then she uses the force to open up a cave so all the resistance people can get out yeah like pretty good legitimately couldn't do that yeah lift it up doing that in dagobah he was doubting himself yeah he could barely lift up three rocks and she lifted up exactly like 50 rocks or whatever it was definitely on that fucking brushmore yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with her character. I don't even know why we, we were talking about the Rushmore Jedi, but I'm glad we did. Anyway, yeah, so number five, seeing Maul's actual death. Well, let's just talk about that moment for a second. I mean, I think you pointed it out to me after I had watched the episode, it's, and you said, like, did you notice that he killed them the same He tried. Well, Maul tried to go at yeah, Obi Maul the same way. Yeah, Maul tries to use the same moves that he used on Qui-Gon, but Obi-Wan and his wisdom... And meditation was like, bop, bop. Yeah. Like it, was like a, it was like a two-strike done. Yep. And, I mean, it's not only that, but it's the moment after. Because, it, like, Obi-Wan well, He sits with him. I mean, he yeah. pretty, much, <laughs> pretty much comforts him in the death. Yeah, I mean, Obi-Wan could have just walked away. Could have just left his body to rot well, he, he feel He feels bad for him because he realizes that Maul literally... Has just become... stunted everything in his life over his hatred for himself. Yeah. So, I mean, that moment was really cool to see is like these two people who are essentially, you know, diametrically opposed to each other coming together in, in one of their deaths. Well, and then... it was also cool because at the very end, we got to see Obi-Wan checking up on little Lukey. Yeah, that too. And he was but... like like 10 or 11 Luke. It was yeah. I mean that whole that whole moment between those two was great, and I mean I'm glad they could have. I feel like the the writers of of Rebels could have taken it a different way and tried to make it this epic, drawn out battle, but like they did it the right way. No, it was because, good. Yeah, I mean they, it was it, they they it was exactly what it <laughs> needed to be because it showed that if you embrace the dark side, and all you do is focus on your your hate and this that and the other thing. You truly cannot grow and get better and learn. Yeah. And that's what Obi-Wan proved to him. He's like, yo, I've, I learned from my own master's mistakes in battle because I've been able to focus and meditate and get better and stronger with the Force where you've just literally stunted yourself over your hatred for me. Yeah. 
was fantastic. It was a fantastic scene. If you guys haven't seen it, um, watch Star Wars Rebels through. If you you know if you want to just see that moment, it's on YouTube. You can find it. It's also and that's one post. of many great moments in Rebels. I mean, just in its final season, but also in its fourth season. I mean, it is well worth well worth investing your time in. Yeah. All right. Hundred percent. So, I mean, speaking of Maul, he comes in at number six, too, because in, the, in 2018, we also got the return of Maul to live-action Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. We got to see him come back in Solo, and, I mean, obviously, Solo's had its bot box office issues, and we're probably not going to be getting any follow-ups, but that moment was a perfect setup moment, and it, it flowed perfectly with what we had seen in the cartoon series as well. I mean... The position that Maul was put in, in Solo, fit perfectly along with his story arc from Clone Wars. And I thought that that was a fantastic job by John and Larry Kasdan to be able to recognize the ability to take that TV storyline and insert it into a movie. And then obviously having Ray Park there as the body of Maul and then having Sam Witwer as the voice um, was fantastic. I mean, I think... That ending to Solo was just it. It took the movie to another level. Yeah, like you, that's a, exactly what I was about to say. If you weren't going to say it, I was going to say it. it. It took it over the top. Yeah, it took Solo from a really good Star Wars movie to a great Star Wars movie. And I think that's like that's what was so important is that not like in a Star Wars movie what you have to do is not only do you have to tell a good story but you also have to leave it open to a continuation of, of a good course. story and that was perfectly executed by John and Larry Kasdan i mean you couldn't have asked for a better ending and a better setup to what would have been i mean been dude a we fantastic... know that there was more to come yeah they yeah, said I mean... as much i mean it's out there i mean it's not a secret they've no, all it's... said it i mean alden confirmed it with contract talk Larry yeah. and John confirmed it with talk talk. Yeah. And I mean, everybody if, basically like, yeah. I mean, Ron basically said, hey, it all depends if you motherfuckers go and spend money. And we didn't. Yeah. Didn't spend enough. And I we think didn't like do it. And here's the thing that I think is funny. You know, I've seen a lot of lists of the biggest box office failures of 2000 and, you know, 2018. And Solo is, is listed on there as as one of the biggest of box office failures. And the funny thing to me is that this movie is, I mean, it's it's not a box office failure. I mean, it made $213 million at domestic box office. If you're not a Marvel or a Star Wars movie and you make that kind of money, it's a, it's a massive success. It made money. It just it failed for a Star Wars pedigree movie. Exactly. I mean, with almost four hundred million dollars in worldwide box office, you're right. talking, you know, three hundred ninety. No one lost their million. ass. It just wasn't an ATM. Yeah, it wasn't a TLJ. It wasn't a TFA. It wasn't any of the previous Star Wars movies under Disney's banner. It was, but it was that a culmination of everything. Yeah. The, the most being Disney's hubris. Yeah. But that movie was fantastically executed. Anybody that has seen that movie that I've talked to, whether it be in the theaters or at home, all agree that it's a great movie. It's fun. It fills in gaps. It gives additional context. And they were pleased with it. It's just 
it was it was done so poorly by Disney that they stepped on their own foot, and this is the this is what we get from it. We get a fantastic movie with a with an ending that sets up the continuation perfectly, and we're not going to get. Well, that I mean, they, John Kazan basically said the arc of Kieran Han was only two thirds of the way through. Yeah. I mean, and it was—I mean, an idiot could have figured that out. I mean, that's how the movie ends. Yeah, anybody who sees that movie all the way through knows that there was there's more stories to tell. Yeah, it and you ends. know he was going to Tatooine. You know he's going to work for Jabba, and you know he was going to make a name for himself because Jabba does say, even in Return of the Jedi, because again I've seen it a million times. Basically, you were a the one of the best, if not the best, smuggler. But fuck you. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to look at the <laughs> added scene that was shoved back into the special editions in Episode Four, that conversation that Jabba and Han have on Tatooine. Well, it's Jabba basically thing. giving him a break, like, "Hey, man." Yeah, like I know you've done good for me before, so I'm not going to give you a hard time here. But come on, you know, you know what you got to do. But yeah, I mean, you know, maybe in the future. You know, maybe if if episode nine blows it out the water and, you know, Disney is oh, feeling it's gonna, it, dude, you know, it, it, it episode nine is probably going to approach episode seven levels because people have been starved now. Yeah. And that's and... that was the mistake. I mean, as we were talking the last cast is a shame that we were not watching a Star Wars movie in December. Yeah, I think if Disney if Disney wants to do the right thing. And they want to show the respect to not only the filmmakers but the fans. They they take the success of Episode Nine, <laughs> and they let Solo Two happen. I mean, I don't know how you do it. I don't know. What I the do. I, I, I I'm, I'm with it. you 100. percent You got to give it another chance. Yeah. I mean, you have to. I mean, they take this one on the chin. I mean, if taking it on the chin is making money off of a off of a blockbuster right. movie, give it another chance. And, yeah. and don't fucking cram it. Like, space it out. Yeah. Do it like you do every other movie that you've ever released. Every Star Wars movie that you've released, at least Disney, you put it in December. You give it one year, just like every other movie you give. And think good things will happen. But Yeah, so the point is, the reason we're stumping for is because the next two moments on this list come from Solo. Yeah, I the mean, Castle Solo. Run gets ran. We finally see it. One of the one of the most iconic lines from the very first Star Wars movie is Han selling his services to Obi and Luke. When he he basically says, "Yeah, you want my ship? You've never heard of it? It's the one that did the Kessel Run in less than twelve parsecs." Yeah, and nobody ever knew what that meant. Nobody knew what the Kessel Run Hell, was. I mean, it made it all the way into the new trilogy before we finally saw. What the fuck the Castle Run really was. Yeah. And but I we mean, got it in 2018. The way that it was executed... I mean, here's the thing. Old, old EU fans can talk about what the Castle Run was described as back then all they want. But the facts are... Is that all of that's wiped away now. And that the Castle Run is what we see in Solo. And you I know what think... else, dude? I don't know if you remember. Sorry to cut you off, but I believe it's in the first movie. But even C-3PO or someone threatens that he doesn't want to go to the, the spice mines of Kessel. So, yeah, the spice mines of Kessel. Exactly. That was 3PO. Yeah. Um, 
and now we get to see it. And I mean, it was brought to life in such a fantastic way. So you get with these standalones people. Yeah, I mean, the little a, shit. There's a lot of cool shit in here. There's so many things in this movie. I mean, you get to see why the Falcon it has such a great Navic computer in Sola, why it has the best Navic computer in the galaxy. You get to see the Kessel Run and what it means to do it in less than less than 12 parsecs. And, you know, it, you I don't know. You see why it's it just, looks like a piece of shit. Yeah, why the, how the Falcon goes from shiny, brand new when Lando had it to busted up piece of garbage with, when Han with had it. With a gap it. tooth. Yeah, with, with a giant, yeah, with a giant middle piece missing out of the front of it. I mean, again... You have to get on. You have to get on the solo train because this movie does so much for the saga as a whole and for the entire Star Wars galaxy as a whole that it's hard to not do. I mean, it's hard to not like this movie. Um, but yeah, the Kessel Run. And if you haven't seen it in the in the body of the post, we included the uh, the behind the scenes making of the Kessel Run with all the special effects that were done by ILM. And I mean. It's really cool to see how within a scene eighteen like this seconds together. Hans boasting about the ship to Obi Wan. I mean, I love. I mean, that conversation is the best. Yeah, you've never heard of the Millennium yeah. Falcon, <laughs> <laughs> like Obi Wan, this pimp. Like uh, Han has no idea who Obi Wan is. Like Obi Wan, honestly, at this point in Star Wars time, is one of the most influential motherfuckers in the galaxy. Yeah, like literally the galaxy. People around the galaxy know Obi-Wan. They would know him. Yeah, because he's saved so many lives. He's been to so many He's, he's infamous. I mean, he's Obi-Wan fucking Kenobi. <laughs> and Han is, like, so incredulous over the fact that Obi-Wan doesn't know the, the Millennium Falcon. I think at one point, too, like, Obi-Wan, like, his face, <laughs> like, the face that... The face that Alex exactly like yeah. the face that Alex Guinness makes is perfect. He's like, "Oh, really? Like, yeah. Oh, it, my bad. <laughs> like, yeah, I had oh, no idea. Excuse me, I don't know your <laughs> ship. Like, do you know who I am? <laughs> like, yeah. but come that, on. That's what I mean. That's why again. That's also why Han is just a pimp. I love Han. Yeah, I love I love him more and more the more I watch him, and because of Solo. So right. moving on to eight. Speaking of Solo again. Another fantastic Star Wars moment from 2018. We finally got to see at least the new canon of how Han and Chewie become BFFs. Yeah, and it stays consistent in some ways with old canon, right, exactly. obviously. It does, it does. But it puts a fun spin on it. And I think that's the best way to describe Solo to people who, who want to watch it and who haven't seen it yet. It is a fun movie. Like, it's not going to have the dour kind of serious and kind of you know darkened tone that rogue one had this is a fun movie that definitely has some tragic moments in it but it's meant to be a thrill ride and one of this moment here the meeting between han and chewie is one of those moments that's injected into this film and it's so fun to see how these two interact with each other and how they finally decide not to kill each other while they're in this slot i mean dude the, the the best part and to me, the most unexpected part was the the Wookiee on Wookiee dialect. Yeah, yeah. When Han busts that shit out, I mean, I, I couldn't. The first time I saw it, I was like, wow, that is brilliant. Yeah. That yeah, makes complete sense. 
Yeah, because how else is Han going to win, not even win over the respect, but, like, get this Wookiee to get out of his death frenzy and just hold himself together for a second. I mean, and like speaking halfway in the mud going, yeah, I mean, speaking tree wook. And then it's also a perfect way to subvert the, the guards, the Imperial guards that are standing right above them. I mean, it was just a well executed scene altogether. And I mean, I think it was made all the better by Ron Howard. Um, after seeing the initial cuts and like the deleted scenes from, um, from that and seeing what the original vision for it was and how long it was supposed to go, I really do think that the show oh, was great. Cause I mean, it really chance. led into them having their shower together and then having their little talk out on the plank of, you know, that, that, that shift that everyone jacked from Minbom. Yeah. So again, so that's good. I mean, again, solo, solo fantastic. It just, it got burned. It got burned by Disney brass. There's no doubt about it. Didn't deserve it, but it is what it is. Moving on. To number nine, a, a to me one of my favorite moments of the year, and that was the arrival of Star Wars Resistance, which is a brand new cartoon series on the, the you know, Disney Family channels, streaming this, that, and the other thing. Uh, it takes place after Return of the Jedi, but before the Force Awakens, much closer to the Force Awakens. Uh, yeah. But either way, it, it's actually the first eleven full episodes we've gotten. Nick have actually turned out to be pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, we're getting a storyline that's filling in gaps and giving us context into how the Resistance gets all this information on the First Order. And that's done through the main character of the show, Kaz, and him essentially working on this refueling station, this Colossus refueling station, as a spy for the Resistance. And, you know, the addition of characters like Poe Dameron and Captain Phasma from the movies really gives this it gives the show credence that it maybe may have not had otherwise, you know, a lot of people were very skeptical about this show. And I think that there are still people out there who haven't given it a chance yet because specifically because of the visual style. Um, it's very different than any star Wars animated series that we've ever seen before, but it gives a new flair to the universe. Like it, it really, allows the the animators to do things that they weren't either that they weren't able to do or they hadn't done in previous star wars cartoon series and i really do like the way that it's kind of filled out so far oh i do i mean 100 percent. i mean obviously on the site starwarstime.net and our youtube channel i i do a easter egg recap and breakdown for each new episode as well as a review and recap breakdown so I'm I'm in it to win it on Resistance. I've loved it. I do like the visual style. I mean, I wouldn't say it's full on anime, but it's also not anything traditionally we've seen in Star Wars animation, as Nick has said. Uh, but it, it it stands out. But I think it works perfectly for the show. I do like that it is adding lore for the new trilogy. Uh, it is lore for the new trilogy because, like I said, it, it takes place a few years before TFA. Um, so we're talking decades post the original stuff. So, I mean, I, th I, I think that timeline is ripe for storytelling, and I'm all about getting new stories told. And, and that's exactly what we're getting through Resistance. So huge fan. I hope they keep up with it. I don't. I mean, no one knows if it's going to go on past this first season. We do know it's on a break, but it should be coming back here shortly. And when it does, 
yours truly will be doing his Easter egg breakdowns and, of course, the recap and reviews. And as Nick and I have promised, we'll also be doing the Resistance recaps on the Star Wars Time Show Podcast Network. So hook that shit up. Subscribe. Moving on, buddy. So sticking with kind of animated stuff, animated Star Wars, new types of Star Wars animation. I throw on here the arrival of Star Wars Kids YouTube and Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures, which is that channel's flagship series. And the main reason I put that on there, Nick, is because having a young kid and just looking at the content, I think it was a brilliant move on behalf of Lucasfilm and Disney. I think it's a brilliant move for that, and it's also a f- just the the thought that they put into it to ensure that Star Wars will persist for generations is really what's impressive here. Because really the thing that keeps a franchise like this going is can you rope in the younger generation when they're still young? I mean, with Marvel stuff, it's easy. It's built in because Marvel is built for children. Like, it's built for kids, and now we have the cinematic universe that is built for kids and adults. But with Star Wars, it can be a little bit harder to rope in kids just based off of the movies alone. So having a series like this that takes you through some of these iconic moments in the original trilogy and in the movies that are in in making them kid friendly and making them more approachable and bite-sized for YouTube content. I mean, that's, that is what's going to ensure that star Wars persists for another, you know, it's been 45 years or yeah, 40, what? 45 years since no 42 years since the first one came out. This is going to ensure that we're going on for, 42 plus more years is is this type of content yeah i mean the stuff's brilliant you you want to talk about unique looking visuals i mean just just catch an episode of star wars galaxy adventures i mean that's about as anime as star wars has gotten officially i mean i've seen some really cool shit on instagram and youtube that it's not official that's very anime manga type but uh, I, I just I think it's fantastic, and I'm actually I wish they would be putting out more content. They've kind of slowed down, uh, but they did promise throughout the year, all the way up to episode nine, they will be creating stuff. So stay tuned to Star Wars Kids YouTube, and of course StarWarsTime.net. We will be covering everything they put out. There's no doubt about it. So number eleven, pretty huge stuff. Uh, it, it was speculated on for years. I mean, it was almost promised way back in 0506. Uh, but finally, Nick, in 2018, we got confirmation that we are getting a live-action Star Wars TV series in the form of John Favreau's The Mandalorian. This is huge. Like to me, this may be the biggest announcement of 2018. Um, is it my favorite? I don't know. You know, who knows? But. This is the biggest because, like you said, this was something that was promised by George when George still had it. And this was promised at a time when Star Wars was starting to slow down after the release of Revenge of the Sith. And we we weren't sure what the future of Star Wars was going to look like. We knew that there would probably be video games because LucasArts had always dabbled in video games even before the prequel trilogy had arrived. But... We didn't know what the future of live-action Star Wars was going to look like. And it was rumored back then that we were going to get a Fox show. It was going to be a live-action TV show on Fox, and it just never occurred. And now 
we're getting it and we're getting it in I really think the best possible way we're getting a series that does not focus on the the established main characters that we're familiar with it's not going to focus on Luke Skywalker or Anakin Obi-Wan Ray Poe anything like that it is going to be focused on one like a very familiar setting within Star Wars and that's the you know probably the underworld and the bounty hunters and it's going to feature a character that sports an iconic look and it look this character looks just like Boba Fett and I really do think that this show is going to be maybe not Game of Thrones level violence but I think it's going to be Game of Thrones level excellent content yeah, I, I I agree. I don't think it's gonna be like a an R level or TVMA. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't agree. mind it, but there's just no way. I mean, it's Star Wars; that'll never happen. Uh, yeah, and, and they can even get away with that just based on the the science of Star Wars. I mean, blaster bolts technically don't have to explode people, and uh, lightsabers don't have to make people's blood splurt out. So. Exactly. Um, but I, I do. I mean, we're, we're talking, what, 10 million episodes. So uh, I think the production's going to be top notch. Yeah. I, mean, it, yeah. I think it's going to be right up there with Game of Thrones in terms of production, in terms of sets and uh, the costume design and the effects. Uh, it, it's going to be fantastic. And, and, and uh, as we've speculated, I believe this is going to be. Uh, potentially even joined with the Clone Wars, a, a launch title for Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you are really on the fence about Disney Plus, just look at the type of content that we're going to be getting. And if you're not sold on the Star Wars content, look at the Marvel content. Oh yeah, that's they're coming. doing they're doing Marvel shit too. I mean, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Loki is locked and loaded. Yeah. Like, there's going to be, like, a lot of people think that Disney Plus is only going to be backlog Disney movies, and then, like, this is where all of your Disney Channel original movies and shows go after they're done. You're going to get tons of original shit on this. This It's going to be huge. It's going to be must-own. It's going to be must-own. I mean, there are people who think that Netflix may legitimately die because of this. Like, not die completely, but look at the amount of material that disney owns now disney owns fox so anything that was fox right is now yeah disney. in terms i mean netflix technically could still be a safe haven for original original content yeah original content creation and then you know things that aren't related to yeah. sequels to, and franchises yeah. yeah so disney owns fox disney owns abc disney owns star wars disney owns marvel what else is on Netflix that's not original content that's worth seeing? I mean, think about it, people. Disney Plus is a lock purchase as soon as it drops. And it's not due in large... I mean, it's due in large part to this kind of content that we're getting oh, from the Mandalorian. It's due in 100% part to Star Wars, Marvel, Mouse. Yeah. Like, if they throw up fucking Disney movies on this shit... And maybe charge an extra fee. It's lights out. I mean, if they if they upload the entire Disney catalog of cartoons, yeah, I mean, get the fuck out of here, or just yeah. Disney movies. I mean, come on. I mean, my TV would be locked on, like it would just never leave Disney Plus. <laughs> like, but yeah. So I mean, The Mandalorian. For, you know, if you guys have been following along with us here on Star Wars Time, 
then we've given you all the information that there is to have about casting, about rumors. Yeah, there's going to be about, an Ugnot played by Nick Nolte. That's all you that's, need to know. Moving yeah, on to 12. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Number no, 12. but in all seriousness, number 12, sticking with the Disney Plus live-action Star Wars train, not only was it confirmed that we're getting The Mandalorian and it's already shooting, but it was confirmed we're getting a live-action Cassian motherfucking Andor series. How this, how about that? This was so out yeah. of the blue. It was so out of nowhere. Um, Cassian Andor was one of those characters that you knew when you saw the movie that he had a background that was very interesting and would probably be really cool to, to learn more about. And if, if we're positioning these, you know, TV series, these live action TV series to fill a gap that we don't have in the movies, it's the perfect gap to take these ancillary characters, take these characters that I don't want to say are ignored, but definitely play second fiddle and then flesh them out. And when you can do it like this with the original actor himself with Diego Luna, reprising his role as Cassian, playing a younger Cassian. I mean, there's no better way to do it. There's so much that we're going to be able to see, not only about um, his relationships with K2 and the other members of the Rebellion, but we also get to see the growth and the the evolution of the Rebellion through this show. And I think that's going to be the most interesting part of it, is to see the inner workings of the rebellion like we've never seen it before. Oh, dude, I'm not going to lie, and that that's the point right there I was going to make. I, I think this show has more potential than The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. For for the hardcore. I mean, I, I'm still excited about The Mandalorian because it could be anything, and we know, I mean, we're going to talk in, in the next episode that we know we're going to get at least one great cameo or inclusion of a classic character, random character, but still ones that hardcore fans will love. Uh, but I, I'm 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 right with you. I, I mean, I think the Cassian show could really flesh out the inner workings of the rebellion, but also more about the Empire. Because again, I mean, all we knew about the Empire from the original movies was they had really badass ships and Death Stars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't quite see the oppression that we're slowly getting through, you know, a Solo or a Rogue One. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I think the inner workings of how Cassian, you know, kind of fluctuates in between the rebellion and, and being a spy and spying on the empire. I think there's some great, great content to be told there. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, this, this is going to give everybody probably the most interesting look inside of those factions that, that, that we've, that we will ever get. I mean, and what better perspective to tell it from than a rebel spy? I mean, enough said. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's going to be great. Um, number 13, I, I don't think it's one that Nick and I can really go deep on, uh, but it was worth mentioning just based on, you know, another Star Wars fan I respect, my man Kung Fu, uh, and just Star Wars Nation in general talking about these books. But we got Thrawn Alliances. Uh, yeah. which was the book that I, I don't know did, have you gotten to this one nick i haven't and it's just because i'm a lazy fuck and i haven't finished reading the second i mean the first book yet and i only have like 100 pages left and i own this book already it's like sitting on my bookshelf right behind me i just haven't read it yet but i have heard equally good things about this yeah but the, i mean the reason i put it on there is because i think it it, it features some pretty major canon type of shit 
and and the and the reason for that is it it basically tells two stories at the same time, set in different time periods, featuring the same characters. Uh, so it tells a tale of when Anakin Skywalker and Thrawn had to work together during the Clone War era, but it also tells a tale of Grand Admiral Thrawn and Darth Vader having to do kind of a mission. Uh, but it reveals a lot. It reveals a lot about Thrawn and his his culture. You know the the Chiss, and they actually had words in their language for Skywalker. So there's like some weird shit going on in this book. Again, one of the reasons I put it up there. But um, in terms of Star Wars literature, it really sounds like the the this new Zahn trilogy with with Thrawn, which is about to end. I think coming up soon here in 2019. Yep. Um, is probably, again, just like his shit for the EU, mandatory reading. Yeah, I mean, as as far as I've gotten in the first book, I mean, I read a lot of old EU novels, and the Thrawn book, this current one, is top-notch. I mean, it, this is, if you enjoyed the first Timothy Zahn trilogy, the original Thrawn trilogy, then you're going to enjoy these books as well i mean it's written by the same guy he's got the same love for the character as he had if if not more than he had when he is he the creator of the character right yeah he is um so that's why they brought him back in it's because they knew that the only way to do thrawn justice is just to bring back the creator of the character and that was timothy's timothy's on so um yeah do yourselves a favor if you haven't gotten the books already just go out and buy them from a bookstore on Amazon. Download your free subscription of Audible from any fucking podcast that's on the planet. There's always Audible um, ads and stuff like that on there. Um, and listen to it. Read it. Read it on a Kindle. Read it in paper. Whatever you do, fill your head with Thrawn knowledge from the books. Agreed. I'll get there someday. Once I figure out how to use books on tape. Yeah. All right, so 14, and honestly, this was a bummer to me, but I think it it needed to be on this list because it is kind of huge, and I do believe it is now canon. Uh, I wish I didn't come upon this, but being a Star Wars junkie, you, you just sometimes have to suck it up and eat spoilers to the face. So again, if you're just tuning in or listening, spoilers here. I do believe this is a pretty major moment. Uh, and like Nick wrote it up, I, I do not appreciate how this moment was delivered. Either way, right at the tail end of 2018, we got the truth behind the Chosen One. Yeah, and... And he's not really the Chosen One. He's not Chosen, that's for sure. Which kind of brings up some other interesting implications so i think there's i I think there's good points to this but i also the point you made is the one i latch on to it's just i just don't think this is a place to do it the medium at least yeah so again like matt said spoiler alert if you're not if you don't want to learn you know learn who anakin's father is but jumping into it now through the Vader comics number 25, the current Vader comic run, we find out that Anakin Skywalker's true father is none other than Emperor Palpatine himself. Um, we know that he had learned the the skill to 
you know, influence the force to create life. We learned about that in his little opera speech that he gave in episode three. And now it's confirmed that he, well, we assume is confirmed. I mean, from everything that we can tell, this is real, that this is, this is true. I mean, um, that he was the one who influenced. Yeah, by the way, I mean, Vader slash Anakin was on like a spirit walk. Yeah. It was essentially like a vision quest. If you, if you know what one of those is. But he was seeing his life. He was he was essentially on death's door as Vader, and he he started to relive and see his life through the Force. And what makes this so convincing and so real is that everything else he saw during this this walk during this vision was true. Everything else was real. Had happened. It was going to happen. Um, it was accurate. So to see this in that context is almost confirmation that this is the true um the true meaning or the true genesis of anakin skywalker himself well i think Uh, i think the point you make is a good one in the post at least where um well i think i kind of borrowed it from your your writing but essentially it does kill the idea that anakin is the chosen one but Knowing how Mac Daddy Sidious was with his planning, it does make sense that he would go to this length to further dupe the Jedi into just going along with their dumb ways and teachings and books. Yeah, I mean... Not really being able to realize the moment and what was actually happening. Yeah, it was the perfect manipulation of, of a prophecy that Sidious knew existed. Like he knew that the that the prophecy of the chosen one was out there, one born of the force that will bring balance. And what better way to falsify that than to to have the skill to create life yourself and bring about from the force, was... albeit. So I mean, Anakin still would have tested high and been been loaded with midichlorians, if you will. Exactly, but they would have never been able to tell that his origins were of the dark side. Um, so yeah, I mean, and like you said, though, I, I really, I don't know which other way they could have done it at this point. It seems like they're averse to making a, a Vader standalone movie, but to put this, to bury this kind of knowledge, this essential comic, nonetheless, I mean, I believe this is like the final issue of this Vader run. Yeah, I just think that that's such a disservice to the character of Vader, to the importance of this reveal, and to the fans themselves. Cause like, Maybe it's not real. I mean, then who knows? But It could be, yeah. I mean, it could be not real. But, I mean, I, as someone who was always interested in his father and who had partaken in speculation online, like it was basically down to his father was either Plagueis or his father was... Palpatine you know what's funny I I was also just fine with he is legitimately Jesus yeah like he's legitimately I honestly would not have cared less if they explained it away or not yeah so I do think in the end I mean his arc is corrected through his son yeah exactly like and you know I think this is one of those things where since the concept of a, I guess you would say, a force-manipulated pregnancy was brought up by George, people felt compelled to follow up on it. 
Like they, it's weird. Like I said, I the only reason it's on this list because it is it's a huge moment. I don't yeah. like it. I do not like it. Yeah, it's. I don't like it. I mean, you could almost you could almost call it forced rape. Yeah, it is. I mean, basically, I mean, that's she's kind technically of like pregnant or something, and he's like doing voodoo on her. It's yeah, fucking weird. It was. It's just weird. It was odd. And All right, let's move on. I don't like okay. it. Let's, move let's on. go. I don't like it. Don't like it. <laughs> and honestly, this this last one is just, it's all me. I mean, I yeah. was grasping at straws at this point. I, I don't like ending on an even number for some reason on a list. Uh, so, 50 But, I, I mean, again, if you're, a, if you're one of my toy collecting buddies, toy photographers, toy community bros, whatever you want to call it, in 2018, we got something fantastic in the form of Star Wars Black Series. That this is the uh, $20 line, the six-inch figures, 112 scale. But we got some new technology this year in the form of photo real face tech, and quite frankly, it's been game-changing. I mean, not only for collecting, but also if you take pictures of the toys. Because we're talking now, you can spend $20 and buy a figure like Grand Moff Tarkin. And he legitimately looks like Grandma Tarkin and not like Grandma Tarkin after he drank three bottles of NyQuil. Yeah, it's the it's not like Grandma Tarkin after he went through right. like a like a furnace or something. I mean, like my, that, my Obi one from Revenge of the Sith, I call him Derpy Wan Kenobi, because if you look at his face, he looks derpy as fuck. Yeah, the I have to say that I'm not. I definitely don't know as much about toys or the, you know, the making of toys as you do, but I do know that the faces on small figures have always been notoriously horrible. <laughs> like they there's, like literally they just glob paint on and then they'll dab like an eyeball eyeball in a in like an eyebrow. And yeah. now they literally like 3D spray on face paint and it legitimately looks just like the actor or actress. Yeah, the one, like, the, the image that you included in this post of Grand Moff Tarkin, I mean, like, that looks exactly like the character from the movie. It looks exactly like Peter Cushing. I mean, that is a testament to how right. well this technology I mean, this, works. All of them look like that now, where the point I made is if you've been a toy collector, in particular Star Wars toys, you like the 112 scale, the only way to get near-movie accurate figures was to spend $60 or more to import these SH figure arts figures from Japan, which still, I mean, I still buy them because they are, they're immaculate. I mean, their face, faces, sculpt, paint to this day, ridiculous. But the fact that Hasbro's like, all right, we're going to invest a little bit in this, but we're still only going to charge you $20. So, I mean, these days... I can spend twenty dollars and basically get a figure that I used to have to spend sixty plus in terms of facial quality, this, that, and the other thing. Beautiful. So nerdy things aside, that was my you know number fifteen. All right, so we come to the end of the list, and at this moment, I think Matt, you're going to kick off some personal. Yeah, just personal real quick. I mean, I I don't want to go too long, but <laughs> I didn't want to. I mean, I didn't want to include this on the main list because it, this is just one hundred percent personal. Uh, but I do want to mention it now real briefly at the end of this cast. And in 2018, what I got as a Star Wars fan, and 100% my personal top moment, 
was the fact that my daughter, before she turned three, without me doing shit, without me saying anything, forcing it on her, nothing. I mean, it just basically all comes from her mother reading her, you know, some kitty Star Wars one, two, three books. And just, I don't know, the force, whatever you want to call it. But my little kid, my little daughter, came to me one day this fall and asked to start watching Star Wars. And she, That's... you know, back in spring asked me to watch, you know, she wanted to, like, dabble with the cartoons. But it was this fall she firmly came to me, and she was ready to dive into Star Wars. And boy, have we dove in. I'm talking into the deep end. She is a junkie. She loves the original trilogy. That's my advice. I'm telling you right now, I, I, I kind of <laughs> struggled with it. I, I do now believe the right way to go is you start with four, five, six. Yeah, she I loves mean, that's... Them. She loves them. Loves them. Luke Leia Han cannot get enough. Luke Leia especially. She is a super fan. Uh, it's just been... It's been a dream come true. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It is the... There are times where I almost want to vomit. I've seen so much Star Wars in the past eight weeks. But there are also times where I'm going, what do you mean, dude? I mean, this is it. This is everything. Look I at mean, your little kid. Look at your little girl. Look at the joy. She is experiencing exactly what you did when you were her age. It's the best gift that you probably could have asked for as a father this year. There's no question. There's no and question. It's it sets up so much cool stuff for you because you have so many memories from when you were a kid. Well, you know, going to the theater and watching Star Wars with your dad, and now you're in perfect position to have those memories with your now, daughter. My goal is to somehow get a sub four year old by the time December comes next year to go to Episode Nine. I know that's gonna be that's not gonna be not a task. viewing one. I mean, I'm not crazy. I mean, no, doing yeah. one's gonna have to be for me. You probably have to wait a little while. Wait till the theaters exactly. get a little like, empty. It's gonna have to be like a ten thirty first screening, maybe week two or three. Yeah, I was gonna say week two when it slows down a little bit, early matinee on like a Thursday. Because I know like, the whole time <laughs> if she's still into it, it's gonna be. Where's Luke? <laughs> Where's Leia? Hey, Daddy, I mean, she... where are they going? She may get her they doing with, with Ray and BB-8. You Why know? is he sure. sad? <laughs> <laughs> Why he do that? But you that's know? just... Why is I Kylo mean, angry? That's what makes it so cool, though, with, with kids oh, like that. Oh, it's hilarious, dude. I mean, I, and that's the thing. It, it just it reminds me of myself and, and it, probably all of us. When we are little... You really can watch the same shit over and over and still be kind of emotionally blown away by the same moments. And oh, I'm yeah. seeing that in my daughter. Like, she now has her moments where she'll start getting all amped up when they come around. And a lot of them are some of the same moments I had when I was a little kid. But it's funny that she just, it's like a whole new experience for her every time she watches it. So, again, yeah, I mean, to me in 2018, without a doubt, personally, <laughs> that's number one. I mean, seeing my kid embrace this stuff to the level she has and her ability to uh, memorize characters and know this, that, and the other thing and relationships and plot ties, it's been fantastic. I mean, we've, we've gone through the entire Skywalker saga as it exists right now. We've done them all. 
Uh, the only thing we haven't we have not done are the standalones in Rogue One and Solo, but they're coming up. That's yeah, that's a beautiful 2018 moment to close <coughs> this cast out on. Um, if you guys listening have any top moments in 2018 that we may have missed in this list, or you have any personal favorite moments for Star Wars in 2018, let us know. Drop us a tweet, send us a message or a post on Facebook, and you know. Or drop a comment on one of our on one of our posts here. So thank you all for, for listening in and I'll hand you guys over to Matt for the sign off. That's right, my friends. Hopefully you enjoyed our countdown of the top fifteen plus one. I had to get that in there. I'm sorry, my friends. Those of you when you get older and you have kids, you'll understand. It is a truly magical experience. As much as I never wanted kids, I couldn't ask for anything else at this point in life. And the fact that she loves Star Wars just makes it even better. So anyways, people, it's been it's been good to be back. I'm glad to be talking Star Wars. And we're going to be talking more Star Wars, so make sure to stay tuned. And if this is something new to you, if you're just tuning in for the first time, make sure to subscribe. You can follow along, StarWarsTime.net. It's all right there. I mean, we've got a subscribe to podcast page if you need help. You can do it on YouTube, you can do it on iTunes, you can do it on Google Play, you can do it on Android, email, RSS, it doesn't matter. We're out there. Get with it. We love you. May the Force be with you. Always.